Attention, look around. We're in a battle. This is a fight and I'm watching men drop like flies out here when we have weapons of warfare that aren't being utilized. Your faith is your shield, but you've been beaten, bruised, and broken on the journey. May I remind you that you were born to be a warrior. Unlike the belt-fed automatic weapon that may run out of ammo, the Bible is your endless supply of full mags to be used against the enemy. I'm Steve Petrosky, fellow brother, inviting you to take your place on the front line, lock shields, and take the kingdom of God by force. Suit up in the full armor of God so we can get some demon's blood on our swords. Let's move out. Here we go. War pigs are SP at this time. Wheels up. Moving out. All right, so, so last episode we covered a lot about identity, how it's under attack, and, and what your identity, kind of like what it should be in general. I'm not going to tell you what your identity should be. Uh, but we also talked about going to God and seeing what he says your identity should be. So um, generally, what I was saying was that you are, well, it's not about what I was saying. What the Bible is saying is you're fearfully and wonderfully made for a mission, right? So then how are you supposed to understand what that mission is? Or if you have trouble believing that you're fearfully and wonderfully made specifically for a purpose and that you're loved, what are you going to do about that? Right? So we got to get the, we got to get the comms open. We got to get the channels up. We got to be able to hear. Um, so this is what it's going to get as a, whatever, how do you say it? It's a kind of a confusing subject, right? So I was a bit of a, a comms guy in my time in the military, and there's there's a lot to it. There's different frequencies, different waveforms, different modulations, different radios, different mics, different all kinds of stuff, right? And it's not that different when we're talking about God. Hearing from God, talking to God. What are you praying for? What does it sound like? And on top of that, you're 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 like you're inundated from the, by the world with all this other crap all the time. It's bouncing around in your head. And how do you decipher? It's like squelch on a radio. Like how do you pick out what the signal is that you need to hear? Vice, you know, other radio signals like like radio, like talk radio and TV and whatever other stuff floating around the atmosphere, right? Um. So here's the deal. First thing that I'm hoping you'll understand is that you are a three-part being. As a being, you are made up of three parts. First part is your body, like your physical body that you inherit. It should be pretty simple understanding as you can see it and feel it. The second part is your mind and your soul. It's the same thing, mind, soul, whatever. Right, so that's your your you know your brain, your conscious decisions, your subconscious or whatever, you know, scientific crap you want to think about uh but that's your your thoughts and probably a lot of ego and a bunch of emotions and stuff like that right and the third part is your spirit all right so this is this is broken down in the bible body mind slash soul and your spirit and the spirit is what god breathed into you the spirit was what was created before you were born i right, talked about it in the last episode how God knit you together in your mother's womb. That's your body and, and your mind and your soul. And your mind and your soul are also influenced by uh, all those worldly things we talked about last episode with experiences, 
uh, good and bad, and we learn, we think you know, right? But your spirit was already created, and that's what God made you to be a certain person. Uh, that's the spirit we're talking about. That's also what connects to God, right? So there's certain things that when you hear them, you just know that that's that's truth. God, that's the truth. It's not my truth, His truth, whatever. It's the truth, and you know that because your spirit is aligned with God. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that your spirit is your like antenna that that receives a signal from God. Uh, but I guess if that helps you think about it, then think about it that way. So the next thing I'm hoping that you'll kind of understand is that God is always speaking to you and he'll speak to everyone differently or in, 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 a, in an individual and intimate and meaningful way. So some people I've heard, I've talked to, he speaks to them through books or movies or um, a bunch of other different, you know, media things, but there's also ways such as visions, dreams, obviously reading the Bible. Sometimes I'll just, I'll just have like a, a Bible verse uh, pop in your head and you read it and it'll just be like exactly what you needed. And I've heard of some other people where God enjoys speaking to them in different languages. They'll, they'll, they'll hear in their spirit a word or a phrase and then they got to go look it up, right? Um, that's happened to me one time. I got one word. Uh, I woke up. Was basically was sleeping, woke up and, you know, not physically with my body heard a word, but I heard a word in my spirit. Um, then I had to go and look it up and see if it's in a Bible somewhere. Um, and then you get to look at different languages and different contexts, all kinds of stuff. So it's, it's kind of fun. That's the way that God works sometimes. He likes you to, to do a little work. He doesn't know how to lay it all out for you. Um, and I also found that I hear from God, I tune in really well when I write. So I found that when I sat and wrote down questions as I was writing them, I wasn't, again, not physically, but in my spirit, I was hearing the answers as I was writing them down. Like before I even wrote the question out the, all the way, I was getting the answers. It's also really great to, to write down all this stuff because you almost like forget it. Sometimes like you, you'll forget, you know, no matter how profound or true or, or impactful what you heard was, you kind of forget it after so long. So it's awesome. You can go back and like, oh yeah, like that makes more sense now when he said that. So I would encourage you to write down if you, if you get words, visions, um, dreams, all those kinds of things, write down your experiences. All right. So third thing. I think it's the third thing. I'm gonna, maybe I'm losing track. But the third thing that I'm trying to encourage you in is to remember that hearing from God is like working out. All right, you're gonna it's gonna take practice. It you, it's kind of a process, and whether you ever work out or not, you know that if you just got off the couch and said I'm gonna go run a marathon, it probably wouldn't go very well for you. All right, there's a lot of training work up, building, adjusting, tuning, all kinds of things that they need to happen before you can be competitive and running a marathon. Well, it's the same thing. I think that as Christians, sometimes you see other Christians and like, man, that guy just, I don't know how he knows that. How does he know that about me? How does he, how does he hear from the Holy Spirit so well? Man, how are they so in tune? 
right? Well, it's a, it's a process. It's, it's a lifetime. And, you know, there's, there's a verse that Paul writes, and I don't know it because I don't remember verses off the top of my head very well, but it says to, to pray continually. And I think it's like what, probably NIV version, the, the new international version. But when you look at that same verse in the Passion Translation, it says to make your life a prayer. So I thought this is an awesome way of looking at it where like you shouldn't have prayer time, but man, can you turn your life into a prayer? And I also know some people that, that they go into the depth that I never even thought about before. And I'm talking about they're making spaghetti sauce. And they'll say, what do you think, Lord? Do you think a little more salt in this? You think a little more oregano? Right. And I, someone else who she would go on what she called Jesus dates and she would walk into a restaurant that, you know, they, that her and Jesus would choose. It's just a practice. Right. And she'd say, Jesus, where do you want to sit? And she wouldn't sit down until she felt like she knew where Jesus wanted to sit. Like what was he who's picking? Right. So maybe, I don't know, you think it's weird, but so what? It's it's a way of it's a way of practicing and working through that thing, those those things. All right, so it's a process. It's going to take a while. So don't think that you're just going to necessarily pray and just start hearing God speak to you, but it will happen. Um, I would encourage you, this is all from my own experience, to ask simple questions and give yourself lots of time to hear the answer even up to like 30 minutes to hear an answer for a simple question um so i had to start off with jesus do you love me like i'm talking that simple something you you already know the answer to All right so then i was sitting there and it's like i would hear like a yes and i hear a no what was that no was that was that jesus or was that me no i hear yes again okay so I would submit to you that the, the yes or no questions are kind of tough. It's probably a little easier if you have a little more profound question, but how do you know if that's the Holy spirit, if that's Jesus talking to you, if that's God talking to you, or if that's just your own mind running around. And one of the things that I've found is that you will hear things phrased a way that you don't, you don't talk that way. All right. So my wife is one of the people that I'm talking about. She hears from the Holy Spirit tremendously well, whether she'll admit it or not. So she's just worshiping in church one day to worship before before the service. And someone new was there. And she just noticed him like, okay, oh, hey, there's someone new over there. And the Holy Spirit said very clearly to her, go over there and tell him I'm delighted he's here. And she was like, oh, I'm not going over there talking to a completely random person and say that the Holy Spirit told me to say he's delighted you here. But she knew it was the Holy Spirit talking to her because she doesn't use the word delighted. Like, who talks like that? When's the last time you, oh, I would be delighted to go get some soda pop with you? Like, no. All right, so she knew it was the Holy Spirit. She ended up doing it. So she walked up, like, hey, I don't know, you know, if it's, you think it's weird or not, but I'm saying the Holy Spirit told me to tell you that he's delighted you're here. Immediately, the guy broke down crying. 
he was like, oh my gosh, you have no idea what that means to me because I was just trying this church out and I felt so out of place and so weird. Like I was thinking maybe I should just go and leave. So you got to be obedient. You got to listen. You got to be obedient. All right. So here's, here's my plan going forward with this uh, episode here. I didn't know what I was going to do and speak about. And that's what I was praying about the last episode. And God provided. Because I didn't know what I was going to talk about. But I had my Bible study this morning. We got in the book of Jonah. And I was like, this is awesome. This is perfect. I've been psyched about it all day. And I'm excited to finally get it down and record it. So what I'm going to do is work through the book of Jonah. It's only four chapters. It'll be quick. And there's just so much in there that I'm going to try to peel apart some of it as is relevant to what we're talking about right now. All right, so here we go. I have a feeling that there's going to be a lot in here that's going to mean a lot to you just like it did to me. It's, you're going to hear it. It's going to be truth in your spirit. And please forgive me for my reading, but I'll do the best I can. All right, here you go. Jonah 1. Yes, the Jonah that got swallowed by a fish, that guy. Jonah 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. So God's saying, Nineveh's messing up. Jonah, you got to go tell him what time it is. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. A little bit redundant, but we get it. So Jonah's big idea, we don't know why yet. He's going to hide from God. Yeah, good luck with that. Apparently, uh, the devil went down to Tarshish. He was looking for a soul to steal. He's going to bind because he's way behind. So I, I can forget the rest of it. All right. So his idea is he's going to go to Tarshish because he thinks God's not there. He's fleeing the presence of the Lord. The Lord said, I don't think so, Scooter. The Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea. So the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, little g. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. All right, so major storm brews up. Gale's kicking. Ship's about to go down. Ship's crew's freaking out. They're throwing cargo overboard. And Jonah's going to go down into the inner part of the ship and take a nap. He's going to hop in the horizontal time machine and just try to fast forward through life. So first of all, Jonah thought he could escape God's presence by jumping on a ship and sailing away somewhere. And that's not working. God's not letting him go. So then Jonah decides he's going to go take a nap. Well, if I can't get away from God's presence, then I'll just ignore it. So I don't know. You tell me that spoke to me. How many people do we know who are running from God? And not, you know, physically, they're not jumping on ships and stuff, but you know, just can't, I don't know, but just can't prove it scientifically, man. And whatever silly excuse they have. Well, I don't get it, but like hurricanes, man, you know, like 
Why does God let bad things happen to good people? Stuff like that. They're, they're running from God. And if they can't get away from him, which you can't, no one can, then they'll just ignore him. Right? Then, yeah, it's whatever, man. There's probably a God, but I don't think he cares. And I don't care. It's whatever. It's fine. Right? So that spoke to me. Jonah's messing up pretty good here. So we'll continue. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, these are all the sailors, they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. They said to him, so he's ousted now. Now they know it's his fault. Tell us who's, on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What's your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew. I, feel, I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. It's just getting worse and worse. He said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. All right, so this is the second part that that really spoke to me. They're freaking out. They figure out it's Jonah, and they ask him, what do we got to do? So this thing stops. He said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Toss me overboard. And then you'll be fine. So, but then it says, nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land. All right, so so put this in your own perspective for you. In your life, are you on a ship that's in the middle of a storm? Everything's going crazy. This is not good. It's time to freak out. Everyone panic. And someone says, this is what you got to do. For all this to stop. Right? And you're putting faith in what Jonah's saying. He says, throw me overboard. They say, no, you know what? We can handle it on our own strength, by our own strength. We're just going to row even harder. We're just going to work harder. You just got to be smarter. You just got to manage your time better. You just got to stop doing these bad things. And that'll solve all the problems in your life. Right, so people take these things on board, and, and what what these things, whatever things, you take things on board, and, and you think that your own strength that you're gonna get get yourself out of a problem. All right, but what happens? It just gets worse and worse, and holds you back even more. So continue on. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, "O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life." And lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, 
have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. So eventually they relented and said, Lord, you're going to do what you're going to do. You're, you've done as it pleased you. Just don't, just don't put, don't be angry about this guy's blood because he told us, he said, throw him overboard. So they toss him and the sea stops and they see, they believe, oh my gosh, it worked exceedingly. What does it say? Feared the Lord exceedingly and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord. All right, but Jonah's not done yet. So to continue, I want to finish this chapter. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So I also wanted to point out in this particular story that the Lord appointed the, the seed, the tempest. How does it say it? However, it says it, that the Lord made the storm happen on the ocean, right? And it says the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, right? So these aren't things that just for, for context related to the story, God is making these things happen to Jonah. All right, so let's, let's just keep that in mind and we'll follow this through. All right, most important chapter number three. Let's go. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish it's inside of a giant fish right now. By the way, I don't, I don't think of it like, like Pinocchio, like he's in there, like with a little campfire and like a little tent thing on this whale's tongue. Like I imagine him, like he's all squished up and covered in goo. And it, I mean, it can't be comfortable. It definitely doesn't smell good in there. Right. Three days, three nights of this. All right. So, so Jonah prays. Here we go. I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried. Sheol is like, my understanding is it's like a Hebrew, like purgatory. Like they didn't really have a heaven and a hell, but it was like a place you went, you hung out waiting for the Messiah to come to take you to heaven, right? Sheol. So he crawls out from there, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. Right, so what he's talking about, he, he's he's in purgatory, he's crying out, God hears him. He The flood has surrounded him, the waves are all around him. He's This is so awesome. He says, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. How many of you have felt like that? I I feel so far from God. But then to pray and to know that you will look upon God's glory again. And he's always looking on you, but, but you'll, you're going to know it and you're going to see it and feel it. So continuing on Jonah's prayer. The waters closed over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. So he's like, I'm going to the bottom of the ocean. 
I'm going down. Yet ye brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. All right, so he tried to get on a ship and sail to Tarshish to get away from God. Now he's sinking to the bottom of the ocean, swallowed up inside of a giant fish. He's hanging out in there for three days and three nights, like waiting to die, basically. And he's, this, his prayer here is, I remember the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. So you are never too far away from God for him to hear your prayers. So he continues and says, Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I, what I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. He's got an exclamation point in the end there. So, so he's saying it with authority. Salvation belongs to the Lord. So these last few lines here. Those who pay regard to vain idols. Idols, like, I always thought idols were like, little like wooden necklaces or like little voodoo dolls or, or like a little statue or something like that. Uh, but keep in mind that an, an idol is anything that separates you from God or anything that, that, how do you say it? Takes your attention from God. Um, anything like that. So it can be, you know, if, if you have a little idol, like a little, Buddha or something, and you like rub his belly for luck. Yeah, that's an idol. Um, but idols are are also, for instance, um, I found myself re recently. I have a a two thousand four hundred third gen, and apparently they're like awesome cars. People like to just add mods to them, and you can be off road with them. But they can also be great road cars, and they last forever. And I've spent so much stinking time lately looking up parts and different mods and different things to add instead of just focusing on Jesus and having that continuous prayer that we talked about so in that sense it's absolutely true that my car is an idol whole foreigners whole idols right it's all and, and where your heart is and what's keeping your heart from focusing on God and if you pay regard to those vain idols, you forsake your hope of steadfast love. I think that also speaks to the last episode with identity. That are you pouring yourself and your efforts into idols? Because those are never going to offer you steadfast love. I think that's part of the point I was trying to make. If your idol is your status on a sports team, you're not going to be young forever. Yeah, that time, your time in that sports team will end at some point. If it's if it's your job or you know whatever you know these other things that I mentioned, they're all going to end at some point, right? And then what? It's not it's not steadfast and it doesn't really love you. It's a counterfeit. So that's super important. Where he he admits that. 
Then he goes on. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. Right, so so this is one of the many times you'll see in the Bible. And as you read through the Bible, you get to know it. You see these like reoccurring themes. And this is one of them. That, as we talked about, he gets on a ship to escape God. He's sinking in the bottom of the ocean, swallowed a fish three days. And now, on the third day, he's saying, with a voice of thanksgiving, I will sacrifice to you. I am going to be thankful to God. I This dude has nothing to be thankful for right now. I mean, you, you wouldn't think so. We're going to bring it full circle. But he says, you know what? I don't care that I'm inside a giant fish in the bottom of the ocean. I'm going to thank the Lord and salvation belongs to him. He's thanking him for the salvation that he hasn't even received yet. Right? The next line in verse 10, And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. So it makes it pretty clear right there that when when Jonah praised this, it's kind of exactly what God was looking for. And he says, okay, that's enough. Tells the fish to knock it off. All right, so that's the kind of biggest takeaway that I want to get out of this was that Jonah wasn't inside this fish saying eight Our Fathers and ten Hail Marys or praying the rosary or you didn't have the specific kind of words he needed to say and it wasn't about whatever. It wasn't some superficial thing. But the most important thing that it was about was Jonah aligning his heart with God's. Right? This whole story, he's been trying to avoid what God wants him to do. Where did that get him? Inside of a giant fish in the bottom of the ocean. Then he finally says, what I have vowed, I will pay. He says, with a voice of thanksgiving, I will thankfully sacrifice to you and I'll do what you want me to do. God says, okay. And the fish throws him up on the dry land. Right? So we're going to, I want to get in the next few episodes deeper into the prayer, the types of prayer, what you're praying about so that you can get the clear comms with God to understand what your mission is. But just know that regardless, that is the point of prayer. It's not to go and ask God for things. I mean, you can. I mean, and you should. Because he's an amazing father. And he wants to provide things for you. But you have to ask for things that are aligning you with him. And his purpose for you and his love for you. So hopefully that makes sense. If not, then... uh I don't know. Keep listening. We'll figure it out. We'll get there. Hey, before we move on, so this is this is interesting. I'm getting a sense. So this is this is me hearing from God right now. I'm getting a sense right now that I didn't pray before I started all this. So I'm going to pray right now. Lord, please don't let this be a dumpster fire. Please just let something that I'm saying into this microphone be heard by someone and that it would be somehow impactful to them on a personal level that you would speak through my words to these people. And Lord, I'm just praying that I'm just showing up 
and trying to be obedient to what you will have for me. And I pray that you would just use that for your, for your purposes and for your glory. That it would all glorify you and not me. In Jesus' name. All right. By the way, um, God exists outside of time. He doesn't really care about time. So it's never like too late to pray, you know? So I prayed just now, but that'll bless the beginning of this message as well. He knew I was going to go back and pray. Anyways, here we go. Last chapter. We'll wrap this up. So he gets thrown on the beach, thrown out of the fish on the beach. Then the word came, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, second chance, bro, saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So this is another theme you'll see all the time in the Bible. He doesn't tell him what the message is necessarily. He just says, you're going to go to the city and I'll tell you what to tell him when you get there. And that's something that it's a theme in the Bible, but it's also a theme. That's how God speaks. That's how, what he, I think, I don't know how else to say it, but he, that's how he enjoys to communicate. He, he just loves your obedience, but it's not, he's not trying to like be conniving, right? Like, Oh, just go there. And like, I'll, I'll tell you when you get there, you'll figure it out. But it's, it's like a joy for him because he, he knows that you're going to be excited. That like when you see what he's got in mind for you, you're going to be blown away. So by being obedient, like, cool, I'll go there. I'll tell him what you got to tell him and then watch what happens. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days journey in breadth. So apparently it'd take you three days to walk across the city. That's pretty big. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey. And he called out, so this is what he's saying, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast, like to not eat, and put on sackcloth, which is like a garment they, to is a form of mourning, sadness, from the greatest of them to, to the least of them. The people, oh, that's the title. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, sackcloth, again, a sign of mourning, and sat in ashes. That's another, another kind of mourning thing, like a, like a funeral kind of thing, but to show his distress. So he sits in ashes, covered himself with ash and sackcloth. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh. It said, by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, he relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. All right, so another really important lesson that we're getting here. God said he was going to do this thing, but he didn't do it. So what 
what caused the change. So when, when Jonah says what he was, came there to say, the reaction for everyone, the aligning of their hearts, right? They're turning back to God. They're repenting. So repentant, repentance is a huge thing in Christianity, repenting. So it just means to turn away from. So whatever it is that you were doing that God didn't like, you repent of that, meaning you turn away from that. You don't do it anymore. Okay? So they hear God's angry with them. They immediately go into mourning. And the king declares that there's going to be a fast. Um, so, so this is one of those things that I... I'll just speak from my own personal experience again, because that's all I have. But fasting to me growing up as a child was always one of those things that like, it just, I don't know. It's like being miserable just to be miserable, just to show how miserable you can be. And somehow that misery makes God happy that he's happy that you're suffering. I don't know how that message got across to me, but that's how I got it. So I don't know. Maybe that's something that, that you're all thinking too. Um, but the beginning of this year, so for the first week of January, um, it was only three days, but we were challenged by our pastor to do a three day fast and it was pretty amazing. So for three days, just water, no food. So I'll make this quick too, because I know we're going to get to the end of Jonah, but the, the three parts that you are the body, the mind, and the spirit. The spirit needs to lead. So you get your you get your downloads from God, you get your words from God, you get your mission from God. That sets your mind going for for, for the mindset, what you need to learn, what you need to do, the hours you gotta put in, whatever it is. And then your mind makes your body do what it needs to do. Whatever that is, right? The spirit has to come first. So what what we've done in, I guess, I don't know if it's a Western society or America, one of the two, is we just discount the spirit altogether. You're just body and mind, right? All these whole things are all like body and mind synergy and crap. Um, and you think your mind's in charge. But then when it comes to eating, doing a fast, I had no idea, but man, my body is in charge a lot. What do I mean by that? My, my body's in charge. Because typically, my wife will tell you, I get very hangry. If I don't eat, I get very angry. And I think that it's okay to treat other people like crap because I haven't eaten anything yet. Because my blood glucose is low. Because my head hurts. Because my stomach's rumbling. Whatever. Bodily things happening that makes my mind go off. Well, now I'm frustrated and, and angry and I want to eat, but for whatever reason, I'm not eating or can't eat, right? And that just shuts off the spirit. So with a fast, you already tell yourself you're not eating. You turn your mind off because you're not going to listen to your mind. Oh, man, I wish I want that Twinkie so bad. Can't wait to get that Twinkie. You turn that off because you, you just kind of submit yourself you're not going to eat. And that opens up your spirit. So your spirit, you hear so much more clearly from God. It almost feels like your your prayers are more profound. You hear replies from God more profoundly. And you don't, man, I'm telling you, like when you just try it like, or just think about it, how much time do you spend a day just preparing food, 
or preparing to eat or thinking about what you're going to eat, right? So you take all that and you put that energy into getting into the word, reading your Bible, praying, just being in quietness, hearing from God. And it's, it's life-changing. It's very profound. All right. So that's what they did in Nineveh. No one eats anything, not even the animals. We're all going to repent. We're going to turn away from what we we're doing and turn our sights back to God and focus on God. And God says, okay, whatever I was going to do, I'm not going to do it anymore. Good job, guys. Mission accomplished. All right, now let's get weird and hear about Jonah's response to this. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That this is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish? For I knew that you are a glory, gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore, now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? So God pretty much just says, you mad, bro? And at first, it just seemed like a wild reaction. But then even in my Bible study, I got thinking about it. And so I'll tell a quick story. But let me know if there's something that, that sounds familiar to you. I had a discussion with, with a friend of mine. I had a particular guy who I kind of knew from work, but he was like the worst kind of guy, in my opinion. Um, talking into hardcore drugs, was constantly out at swingers clubs, like cheating on his wife, and she knew about it, and she knew the guy was crazy, right? And I didn't, I didn't really know all this until after he joined a couple's like Bible study with my wife and I. And so he, he joined and he also had like tattoos all over. So I'm kind of like judging him. Like I'm not against tattoos, but just, you know what I mean? Like you're just kind of like a little bit judgy. And I was like, man, I don't know about this guy. And then he's telling his testimony how, how he was raised in a very Christian community. And then his girlfriend not his, his wife they're, they're married now I have three daughters but his girlfriend at the time when they're in high school got pregnant and this very devout Christian community didn't really know how to deal with that so they pretty much excommunicated them so it didn't really represent Jesus in the best way um, it didn't really help them out it didn't really love them unconditionally so he went off with his now pregnant girlfriend married her and spent the next like two decades of his life saying, fine, I'll figure it out for myself. All right. So now he's like the Mariners that are just rowing into the rowing into the worsening and worsening storm. So it goes down it, just the way we just read about the storm just gets worse and worse. So now he's in drugs and whatever other debauchery in his life ends up in rehab. Praise to Jesus. Jesus, if you're real, I need your help now. Right. And just was instantly changed from the inside. Again, he prayed that prayer, realigning himself 
with Jesus, with God. Miraculous things happen. And goes back to his life, repents for everything, asks for forgiveness. He's a totally changed person. Now he's in a, a Bible study with me, right? And I'll be in judgy. And it just kind of reminded me like, like the same thing. And I had a conversation with one of my buddies from church about this. I was like, why does this guy, and I guess the, like the terms like get to, why does he get to go and get tattoos and be a complete animal? Like drinking, doing drugs, just the, the most, the worst things in life. And now he's held up like this poster child at church. Why is he put on this pedestal? Like, dude, I've been here the whole time. I never did drugs. I never did any of that stuff. Like, what the heck, bro? So that that's what struck me. Initially with Jonah, like, dude, this giant city didn't get destroyed. That's awesome. What are you mad about? And then, but it was like something like that in my own heart. That was like, yeah, but aren't we a little bit all like that? Aren't we all a little bit jelly beans? A little bit jealous when other people like are, are saved or rescued. And I, and I, I, now my thought went immediately to who else in the Bible had that kind of feeling. And you think about the prodigal son, right? You guys all, hopefully you know that story. It's the parable that Jesus told where there's two brothers and the younger brother was like, dad, give me my inheritance. I'm going to cash out. He goes out and lives a crazy, terrible life. Blows all his money. He's sleeping with pigs. And comes, you know, dragging himself back. And the dad gives him the ring, gives him the code. He slaughters the fattened calf. Like, we're going to throw a party. My son's back. It's so great. But he's got this brother who's like, dad, W the F. I've been here the whole time. Come on, dude. Like, what is, what's going on? So it's just... It's just something to keep in mind, to look at yourself, you know, like, I'm not supposed to be that brother. I'm supposed to be the other brother. It's not about this other guy and how the church sees him. Like, worry about yourself, you know? God wants to, God wants to give all that to you, too. And the thing, too, is, like, if God's more glorified by this guy's life changing than by yours, then good on him. Great. Yeah, nothing to be mad about. All right. But Jonah's got something to be mad about. I don't know what it is. So he went out of the city and sat east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat in it. He sat it in the shade. Till he, he should see what would become of the city. So he's sitting in his booth. He's watching the city to see what's going to happen. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it grow up over Jonah, that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. See how God's still there, even though Jonah's just being a total stinky poopy butt right now? It's like a my three-year-old talk, a little stinky butt. And But God, he's still there. He's still there. Come on, dude. Here's this plant. Has some shade. Take a load off. It's all right. 
So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plan. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die, and said, It is better for me to die than to live. So keep in mind, again, God's appointing a plant to grow and provide him shade. God appointed a worm to eat the plant, kill it. Now the shade's gone. And then God appoints a scorching east wind. The sun beats down on him. Jonah wants to die again. Right? So I think it's just, I don't know. I'm not, I don't want to like relate it to actually dying. Um, but I do think that there's this, it's this victim mentality thing again. Right? Everyone's just, woe is me. Like everyone, everyone, everyone. But so many people nowadays just seem like they're like, oh, woe is me. It's nothing. Always just can't complain about how heavy their bag of gold is. You know, like that kind of person. So that's Jonah. So he wants to die again. It's better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes. I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. So Jonah, was just, he's just over the top right now. He's so angry that this plant died, the shade's gone, it's hot, the city didn't blow up like I thought I was going to. All right, so I'm so angry, I'm, I just kill me. And the Lord said, "You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow." which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, the great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle. And that's it. The book ends right there. Right. But what's, what's, what's God asking Jonah right now? He's like, dude, you're angry about this plant because it provided you shade for one day. I made the plant grow. I took the plant away. I made the winds. I made all the stuff. You didn't do anything, but you're mad about this plant. Right? So he's saying, if you're mad about this one plant that you didn't even have anything to do with, you don't think I'm going to worry about a city with 120,000 people in it and they don't know the right hand from their left. So it wasn't about it wasn't about saving the city. All right, God had control over that. But we all have free will. God gave us all free will. And he wanted that city to know the right hand from the left, meaning he wanted them to know who he was and turn back to him. All right, so big, big picture here. Bring it back full circle. Take it back to the beginning of the story. This was God's intent the whole time to bring a massive city of more than 120,000 people back to him and be realigned with him. To do that, he wanted Jonah to just go and just say the things he, that God wanted him to say. And the whole time, he was trying to avoid God's presence. He was trying to ignore him. He's trying to reason his way out of what was going on, finally aligns his heart with God's. 
does what God's at what God asked of him and turns the city this massive city back to God right so that's what I'm trying that's what I would love I'm not trying I'm not doing anything but I just would love for you to see for yourself in your own life to hear from God to know that he's got a Nineveh for you he's got something bigger than bigger than Nineveh for you and his plan to turn hundreds of thousands of people back to him to know him to know his love for them It involves you and he needs you to listen to him, to hear him, to be obedient. And even if you got a poopy attitude the whole time, he's still going to do what he says he's going to do. Right. So I just want to, I just want to encourage you to keep, to keep praying, keep finding quiet time. And I mean, you don't have to go like, hide out in your room for like an hour and a half in the dark. Like whatever time you have, any moment you have, it's quiet. You have a free thought. Just give it over to, give it to Jesus. Meaning like, just think about him. What, what is it? What does he mean to you? And I encourage you to continue to ask questions and wait on the answers. All right. So those are my, my, my two favorite questions to start with one, Jesus, do you love me? And Wait for an answer other than just yes. And see how blown away you are by that answer. Number two. Ask Jesus what his favorite color is. And just wait for an answer. Focus on him. Just just think about him. Whatever, whatever your, your image of him is. Think about that. See what he comes back with. Right? And tying it into your mission... As you're growing in this, we'll we'll talk about more forgiveness and repentance and chopping all the things off next episode. But make sure that you're not stop asking what's happening to you and ask God to show you what he's doing for you. Right? How many things in life do we do that are they seem painful? It seems like a storm. It seems like the ship's about to sink. We're all freaking out. But then on the other side of that, something amazing happens. We end up better than we did before. It's a theme throughout the Bible. And it's something that we're, we're seeing all the time in people's lives right now. Quickest story ever. Sister-in-law was a nurse. She has a physical issue with her heart. Didn't want to get the vaccine. I don't know if they actually fired her or not, but it was like basically her job was in jeopardy. She's freaking out. She's been a nurse for 20 years and ended up not getting it. Got moved somewhere else, different position, got another job and found herself getting paid more to work from home and just in a, just in a better situation in life. Her kids were getting older, so it's better to work from home, even if it was full time, but getting paid more. Just all up and up. Right? So even though it seemed like, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose my job for 20 years. It was scary. But at the back end, God had something much better for her. And all she had to do was just listen and be obedient. 
and just align her heart and do what he asked her to do. Right? Same for you. He's got something amazing for you. He's got an end of it for you. And it, it needs you. They need you to be immediate. So God can do what he's going to do. All right. So we'll close in prayer real quick. Lord, just forgive me for not praying at the beginning of the episode. Thank you for reminding me halfway through. And pray that you'll bless this whole episode. Bless someone's heart. That someone will hear what you're saying. And uh, we just pray now in faith that you're going to provide me whatever the next episode is, whatever someone needs to hear, whatever you want to speak next, uh, you'll give it to me uh, for your glory. All in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Appreciate you guys listening the whole way through. Uh, we'll see what happens next episode. We'll see what see what God comes up, comes up with. So it'll be a fun little experience together. We'll pray for it. We'll listen. And uh, we'll see what he comes up with. Later.